0: All right. No scary music. No theme music. You don't deserve the theme music. Actually, I just can't come up with anything good to give you for theme music. So we are simply going to dive right into this week's episode of the Practical Theology Ministries podcast. I am Michael. Over there on the other side is Lou. Hello. And we are gathered together this week to tell you that you do not get to define who you are or what you should be. (laughs) Now, why do I say such mean things to you all the time? Well, because we have a Bible that makes me do it. It's not my fault. I'm the victim here.
1: So you're getting a bigger Bible?
0: Yes. 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 When in doubt, get a bigger Bible. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. He called, I'm sorry, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> if I could keep a voice, we'll be all set. Now, a couple of things. Let's, let's note some things here. One, just because I enjoy making sure that we have a consistent view of Scripture. Did Isaiah buy a ticket? No. No. Did Did Isaiah, like, get on the merry-go-round or climb some ladder to earn this vision of God? No. No. It is simply shown to him. Absolutely. Does Isaiah deserve this vision?
1: Well, he, he himself is terrified, so I, I would say probably not.
0: Exactly. So one story of scripture you have a salvation in the old testament that is same as the salvation you have in the new testament we don't have different gods different gospels different messages we have a a, a singular there's the word i want in yes. english a singular consistent message from beginning to end now that has nothing to do with anything else we're going to talk about that's just a freebie that we decided to throw in there because we no love extra you charge. see yeah. yes see we're we're givers yes. we care it's because we care now god has declared something in this passage and if you missed it just turn off your phone, turn off the radio. There's no hope for you. All right, what is God declared? He's holy. He is holy. The trihagion for those of you that just like speaking in foreign languages because they're fun. Now, God is declared holy. Is God holy? <laughs> The the look I just got from Lou. Now I know what his kids felt I, like I just growing can't up. See this
1: look that I keep giving people. Always say I have that look.
0: <laughs> I ask Lou a stupid question, and Lou looks at me like I asked Lou a it's stupid absolutely question. Absolutely holy. Yes. Now the reason I asked the dumb question though is isn't this what the atheist says? Well, I mean, I could declare myself a purple unicorn. Does that make it true? Uh no. Not typically. I don't no, have a not, you know not, not, not a at narwhal horn sticking that top of my head. I'm narwhal. I'm not purple. Awesome. I, I don't yeah. flip. Yeah, yeah. So. Just because we say it doesn't mean it's true. Can we prove that God is holy? And that's the more important avenue. Now, I think we can because we have various things that we can look at. And unfortunately, my little Bible setup didn't want to work. So I've got to click some things and stall while I'm doing that because it didn't pull up the passage that I wanted because it's aggravating like that. So, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. This is Psalm 19. Their their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge.
1: But is that circular logic? No. Are we using the Bible to prove the Bible?
0: No, because we're not, believe it or not, while I'm appealing to the testimony of Scripture, the Scripture itself is not appealing to itself. Therefore, my, I am not arguing in a circle. I am actually appealing to the creation. Now, if you'd like to argue that the creation flows from God and Scripture flows from God, therefore I'm arguing from the same source, guilty. I just don't care. I'm glad you cleared that up for me because I know there's a lot of people out there that are probably
1: <laughs> thinking that very same thing. Like, wait a minute.
0: You can't use the same book to defend itself. No, y- yes, I can. This is the beauty of it. See, because Isaiah 6 is, catch this, Isaiah. And while it's in one book, the Bible, and while I just made the argument that there is one story, Psalms, the book of Psalms, is actually a different book. Different authors, different location, different audience. But they're declaring the same truths, and but they're doing it from different sources so in this instance, Isaiah is declaring the truth of who God is because he's actually looking at him. He sees him. Wait a and Wait he's a confronted. He actually
1: seen him? Parts. No man has seen God? Well,
0: he has not beheld the fullness of God's deity.
1: Okay. He has
0: seen part of it. See, this, see that's, that's a... What's the price up? of admission coming here? Because <laughs> there are questions that need to be answered. And that's what we do. We answer them. So, yes, he sees the train, he sees the glory, the smoke, it's filling. I, he is overwhelmed by what he's seeing. And as he is overwhelmed by this vision of God, he is very, very cognizant of who and what he is. Which is a wretched, vile, rotten sinner.
1: Sinful man now, amongst other sinful people.
0: Exactly. Now, conversely, Psalm Psalm 19 is not arguing from a vision of God. It's arguing from a vision of creation. Look out your window. What do you see? I see a massive sky. I see a massive universe. I see stars that I can't number. I see all of these things. And I know that they come from the hand of a creator, Romans chapter 1. Therefore, I know that that creator is Big, and he is majestic and he is glorious because look at what he's made yes. if he can make this he is utterly beyond this now as I am honest with myself I'm also honest with what he has given to me again this goes back to Romans 1 because that which I know about God I suppress that truth in unrighteousness I know what God expects of me I know what he requires of me I know what I'm supposed to do when I fail to do those things yes. in so doing what am I revealing? I'm actually demonstrating the holiness of God. I'm showing where I fall short and what's my standard? He's the standard. He is. When God swears, what does he do? He swears against himself because there's no higher thing in creation. There's nothing else that could, there's nothing else that could hold God accountable because he is beyond. Now, in that, in that living out, I look at what? What's the law explained to me? demonstrates my sinfulness, but it does so by demonstrating what also at the same time? The holiness of God. The holiness of God. Right. How do I know that I should not murder? Well, Because God is the giver of life. Right. God is not a murderer. He's a life giver, a life sustainer, a life provider. Yeah. Why shouldn't I steal? Well, because God doesn't steal because God is the owner. He is the provider. He is the one who gives provision of all things. He does not steal. He does not need to steal. He has no concept of stealing in and of himself because he graciously provides and he has not need. He's not served by human hands as though he needed anything, Acts 17. So because he doesn't have these needs, he doesn't have the desire to wrong. It is antithetical. No, it's antithetical to who he is as God. So... This is where our worm begins to turn for us today, because this is—we we hinted at it—but let's make sure we understand this. Isaiah, seeing God, and beholding that majesty, that holiness, it immediately crushes his soul. He is suddenly like that. Hey, let's say like that. He is defined not by himself, not by his neighbor. He is defined by his comparison to God.
1: That's interesting because God does not rail any accusation against him. It not have to. It is Isaiah recognizing, once he gets a glimpse of the glory of God, what a sinful, broken person he is. And, and he's living amongst an, a, um, another bunch of sinful, people. It's not just people. Isaiah. Right.
0: Suddenly, I see, the natural human tendency is, I look at me, I look at you, and I go, I'm doing pretty good. Because even though I don't know much about your life, I can cherry pick the things that I think are bad about it, compare myself to them, and come out on top. Right. Isaiah immediately quits that. Not only does he quit that, he's now comparing rightly to God. And not only that, when he looks out at everybody else, he doesn't see people that he's better or worse than. He just recognizes that we're all bad at this.
1: Yeah, we're all really bad at this. And <laughs> we all deserve judgment.
0: Yes, exactly. Now, this is where we're going to make our transition also, because... If you were explaining this from a modern American concept, what you would say is that Isaiah has a problem. Isaiah has a big problem. Isaiah has low (laughs) self-esteem. And you know what? Isaiah needs to know that he is worthy and that he is loved and that he is a good person capable of doing great things and people will care about him. Okay. (laughs) I'm getting the look again.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) It's like, who are you and what have you done with Michael? Now, notice what I said. If we explain it from a modern American perspective, that's the argument that we're having with the world today. Because the biblical perspective is, Isaiah, you are terrible at this. You feel bad about yourself. Good. You should. You're a dirty, rotten sinner confronted with a holy God. Now, repent. Cry out to this gracious, loving Caring, holy God, for your forgiveness, and He has been He has proven that He is willing to forgive and to save you.
1: But what does it mean to repent, Michael?
0: To turn, to walk away from, to go the other way.
1: Right. You're going the wrong way. way. Yeah, I was hoping that was kind of come out. <laughs> um, when you, when you think of repentance, you know you're going in one direction. God tells you to turn around. Well, what's behind you if you're going the opposite direction of God? God is behind you. He's telling you to turn to Him. Yes. Walk in my ways. Yes. Now, go back to
0: our beginning here. Who bridges the gap between God and Isaiah? Does Isaiah earn this? Does Isaiah deserve to have this vision of God? Does Isaiah deserve. He's eventually going to be commissioned as a prophet. Does Isaiah deserve that? No. No. Who bridges that gap? Isaiah doesn't. God God, does.
1: God does does the first reaching out to nothing
0: has changed in humanity that same bridge from beginning remember how many stories one one story the same gospel message that we proclaim today is the same gospel message that was proclaimed then we just use different texts and different avenues to deal with it now apologetically speaking this is where we want to get a little bit of understanding going on because what we're describing from a biblical perspective is antithetical to a modern well, really Western cultural view of self. Because according to the, the, what is the goal of humanity according to the Western mindset?
1: Well, to to prosper, to become successful, to, you know. Well, what's successful? Yeah, that's, that's hard to be defined. I mean, some people would say uh, having a, a good job and a family, uh, others would, Others would say to be extremely rich and, and base their, their self-worth off of how much they actually have in the bank. See, this, this is where
0: my amateur sociology and psychology actually comes in handy because I, I do these things for fun. Yes, I am that weird. But what we define it as is self-actualization. You can be the best you that you can be and know that you can love you and you can respect you because you are good at being you.
1: <laughs> wow that's pretty good man you yeah, should like, write
0: that down somewhere <laughs> like you you almost want to say that and go dude that was so deep man you're like, you need we, we we need like berets and a smoke-filled dark room and, and snapping instead of applauding like you need that at the end of that now what's what's <laughs> the problem with that view now let's actually give that view a negative biblical definition do you know what it would be
1: I don't know. What would it be Idolatry. Like? Oh, yes.
0: Idolatry of what? Self. Self. Me. What's the goal of my life? That I be the best me that
1: I can. Right. No. You, you can't. It's it- interesting how many things kind of trail themselves back to that idolatry thing. It doesn't just mean putting something up on a, on a pedestal, bowing before it, and worshiping it, and adoring it with all kinds of things. It could be... Worshipping yourself. Exactly. It could be worshiping money. Now,
0: first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth. Now, yeah. we've said this before. We'll probably say this again 8,000 times. How much time does the Bible spend proving God? None. None. Yeah. None. The Bible just starts out like, hey, God did this. And your brain is supposed to, is, is your brain supposed to go, duh. Yeah. Like, there's no other possibility. But. With a modern Western mindset, what have we done? We have taken that starting point and we have removed it. Now, once that starting point has been removed, what firm, objective anchor do I have? What foundation do I have upon which I can build anything?
1: I would say there's none. I mean, if without that foundation, you're on sand.
0: You have to be. Now, once I start doing that, what makes my sand better than your sand?
1: Absolutely. Well, it's always subjective. There's no <laughs> objective truths or rights or wrongs when you when you when you go down that road, and unless you have an objective authority in your life, everything depends on how you feel that day. Welcome to postmodernism. Yes.
0: I mean, did oh, did you see the news story today? Um, talk we'll have fun dating this one um the governor of california no, was a Cal- no it wasn't california it was um oh, it was i saw two stories one was gavin newsom who was the governor of california this wasn't that one this was bloomberg not bloomberg oh my goodness i can't get my lunatic politician straight today it was bill de blasio the mayor of new york okay. when he was questioned i don't even remember what he was questioned about that he didn't want to talk about he said well i'm just speaking my truth wow a public official legislating, governing, I don't really know exactly what kind of authority the mayor of New York City actually has, but basically the chief executive officer over a city of what? Eight, big city. eight, 10 million people. Yeah. And because he doesn't like the question and doesn't appreciate the answer, he goes, well, I'm not dealing with that. I'm speaking with my truth. <laughs> See, there's a postmodern world. How do we end up with how do we end up with Unitarian Universalist churches? I actually heard an advertisement on the radio for them this morning. The little classical station I listened to for background noise in the car actually had an advertisement for the Unitarian Universalist Church of Rockford, which every time I hear that, I always ask, "What's the point?"
1: Yeah right? All roads lead to the same things what they're what they're touting yeah.
0: Now, now, why do we deal with this? How did we get this garbage in our world? And the answer is we defined ourselves, our world, and our very lives apart from God. We took the rock foundation under our feet, we chiseled it up, swept it away, and then we're surprised why we're just floating and falling to nothing. We don't have anything. You cannot determine life value, purpose meaning, function, identity. You can't do any of that without a starting point in God. Now, I say all that because most of you that are Christian are going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I got it. Do you know what your kids were taught in school this morning? Do you know what you were taught in school growing up? Do you know the worldview that you were given? Do you know what the assumed worldview you function in day in and day out? Secular humanism. Somebody, uh, somebody called me this week and actually asked me about um, psychology dealing with um, suicides, mm-hmm. specifically military suicides. What, what is it, 21, 22 uh, veterans a day commit suicide, statistically speaking? Oh, I don't know. And so, like, why can't psychology do anything better than this? And I'm like, well, go ahead and ask the psychologist how many people they've ever cured. Ask the psychiatrist how many people his medication has cured. And the answer is simple, zero. They have no cure, they have no hope. All they have are experimentations, a little tinkering over here, a little black magic over there. You know, some eye of newt, some you know frog leg, and you know blood of a chicken or something like that. And you put it all together and see what that does to you and what happens. Yeah. Why? Because we're experimenting on the brain, like it's a heart, like it's a lung, yeah. like it's a computer. It's not. Mm-hmm. Biblically speaking. Your brain does something that is astounding. Somehow, don't ask me how, but somehow, the firing of neurons and certain balancing of chemicals in your noggin allows a physical body to communicate with an immaterial soul. I mean, the brain is the mechanism by which those two things work together. I mean, your thoughts don't actually exist. Oh, dude, he's talking deep now, yeah. Your thoughts aren't tangible, physical things that you can touch. Your words are not.
1: Where do they come from? Sounds a lot like nominalism.
0: It does, but this isn't what we're trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at is you actually have a physical body. Right. Created by God. Yes. You will have a physical body redeemed by God in eternity. But right now, what you do have is a soul that communicates with God, communicates with people, and those two things are knit together somehow. Mm-hmm. And the only reliable means that I can understand that work to those two things together is your brain. How does it do that? We have no idea. Right. The only brains we can study don't work anymore.
1: Yeah, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes.
0: The, o- the only brains that we can actually understand are, have been unplugged already. They, they're, they're dead. So we can't actually see them working. It's, it's just...
1: Yeah, we don't really understand them.
0: No, um, there was, what was the story last week where the uh, violin player was having brain surgery and because they didn't know what part of the brain they might damage and what part of the brain might control his ability to play the violin, they kept him awake during the surgery and he played the violin during the surgery so that those parts of the brain would be activated
1: that is amazing. and then they wouldn't touch it. That's amazing. So that
0: when surgery was done, he could still play the violin. <laughs> that guy is brave. I can't even imagine like I got this dude behind me, my skull's open, you know, top of my head sitting over there on the table. <laughs> that's my violin impression, by the way. <laughs> Lou's now horrified. <laughs> like, what was that? I mean it's it's kinda of, somewhere in between like deep humming and cats being strangled. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was gonna say
1: sounds like some poor animal being tortured.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is what it sounds like. So this is what psychology can't fix this. And they're never going to because while they claim to be a science, it's a pseudoscience. In order to actually deal in science, to quote-unquote do science, you know what you have to start with? You have to start with God.
1: Yeah, that's what a lot of original scientists came up with. Um, When when they were developing the scientific method, most of those guys were Christian believers. Yes. And they say things, you know, the, the method has to be observable and repeatable. And see, there's the thing. Why
0: is it repeatable? Because our universe is ordered. See, if you take God away, see, go ahead, remove the idea of God and explain to me why gravity is a constant.
1: There's no way. There's no way to do that.
0: Because unless this universe has been ordered and directed in a certain manner, if I keep dropping something... The law of averages says that eventually it won't fall. Eventually gravity will not work. Statistically speaking, it must happen. Mm. If everything is random, if it's random chance and possibilities are endless, then at some point if I keep dropping a ball, it's going to float. Or it's going to go up. It's going to do something other than fall. It has to. But no scientist thinks like that. gravity is a constant Mm -hmm. law of entropy is a constant all of these things are constants why because we have constants in the universe why because they come from a god who designed it made it and rules over it in that way therefore in order to observe it and understand it i must start with him
1: because he was there when it was all created. He's the one that knitted things together.
0: Exactly. Now, what were we again? What did you say about us a few minutes ago? Fearfully and wonderfully made. made. If we are a part of this creation, and we are, and if we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are, then, and if we must start with God to understand the creation around us, and we must, then in order to understand us, we must start with God. See, and you didn't think this conversation was going to come full circle. Shame on you. You should know us better than this by now. (laughs) If you you
1: guys could see him, he's like pointing at the computer. I do. And shaking his finger. It was.
0: Yes. And just like that, it's working again. Oh, boy. Okay. This is gonna be edited a little funky when we put it all back together, but the computer just literally said no right in the middle of everything. But to Lou's point, yes, the computer screen represents you out there listening, and, and when I point at the computer screen, I'm, I'm really pointing at you, just so you know that. Now, with all of that said, like I said, I have to forgive some at the, uh, the edit, the computer decided it wasn't talking to the soundboard anymore, so it just wasn't communicating properly, but hopefully now it is. <laughs> all the joys. So, back to where we were. In order to understand you, you have to start with God, which means we start with his definitions of us, which means we first have to start with his definitions of him. And this is where we come back around because God is holy and I am not. Therefore, if that is my starting point, are the things that I want good?
1: Uh, No. No, most... Most of the time, we, we are not wanting good things.
0: Are the things that I crave and desire good for me?
1: Uh, no, no. They are going to condemn you.
0: Therefore, um, I need to, to go back to our original point. I need to repent of these things. I need to turn from them and return to the holy God who has called out to me.
1: But how, how are we supposed to do that? Oh, well, see, he's provided a savior. Right.
0: You know, and the savior that bridges the gap dies for us gives us his righteousness. If only they had put this someplace like Matthew, Mark, (laughs) Luke, and then if only someone had come along afterwards and explained it like, you know, Romans and Galatians and James and and things like that. If only someone had done this, then we would all be all set and we wouldn't have any problems. (coughs) No. So in Christ, I return to God. I've repented of my sin, recognizing that as uh, Romans... 5, 6. Read the book of Romans. It'll do you good. As Romans as Romans 6, if we're going to nail it down to 6, explains, I am dead to that way of life, and I am now alive in Christ. Therefore, I am no longer serving the things that I once served. I'm serving the things that are now godly, the things that are holy and righteous, because he has given me a Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6 and 7. Um, he has changed my nature. He has raised me up again, Romans 5 and 6, uh, John 3. He has changed created in me something new. Yes. So now I desire the good things, I desire the right things, and I recognize that the things that were, uh, the things that I was about, the things that I were engaged in, that they are no good, that they breed death, and that they condemn me. I don't seek to raise myself up to be self-actualized, because my self-actualization would lead me to hell. And that doesn't accomplish anything of value.
1: Yeah, our self-worth comes from God um, and being created in the image of God. Exactly. And when we fell in sin, we, we kind of lost that view. And it, it's it, the world and people without God will always feel like there's something missing in my life. They will always be looking for... That reason why they're alive.
0: Well, they have to because there's, there's nothing else that grounds them. I mean, we, we mentioned James as somebody who explains it. Um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you.
1: That sounds like Isaiah.
0: That doesn't sound like me thinking good thoughts about me, does it?
1: He was undone, and and God lifted him up and exalted him. He showed humility. It's almost as if James was reading the...
0: Yes, he is. He's reading again, if only someone had come along and explained this. Mm-hmm. So here, let's walk through this real quick because this is this is good for us. Right. So draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Well, in order to do that, what has to happen first? God has to bridge that gap. And he has in Christ. And he has called me to himself in Christ. So now, because of all that stuff we just explained, new heart, new nature, new desires, I am by actively living for those things, that is my active drawing near to God, walking in holiness, aligning myself with him. If I do that, god blesses that he continues to help and to aid and to grow me in sanctification this is good for me that's what james 1 is actually talking about if you go back to the beginning of the letter because we're in james 4 here cleanse your hands you sinners i can't but christ can Mm -hmm. and he has he has made my works the product of my hands my works that are now cleansed are cleansed in him um Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do I do the good works that are prepared for me beforehand? By being born again in Christ, by being renewed in God. So now my hands are clean. My work is now good and clean. Purify your hearts. You mean be transformed. Change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Why? Because I recognize my sin. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be miserable every second of every day. But it does mean that when I'm confronted with my sin, and when I see it rightly, that what do I do? I mourn it. I hate it. I repent of it, turn away from it. I don't turn away from things I like. Like bring me cheesecake. Oh no, I can't stand it. Take it away. No, give me a fork.
1: Yeah, this is right.
0: this is what it, this is what I've been made for. I mean, th- th- that's not a repentance. That's an indulgence. No, I don't do that with my sin. I hate my sin. Therefore, I turn and I flee from it, from sin to cheesecake. That's that's the lesson here, right? No, to Christ. To
1: Christ, to oh, Christ. Oh, man. You yeah. had me there for a minute.
0: <laughs> Lou was like, yes, to, to the cheesecake. The cheesecake is good.
1: It's scrumptious. You don't, you don't know how. <laughs> that, that is my kryptonite. If we go out and the waitress says, oh, we got cheesecake. well, But I'm on a diet. I got cheesecake. Oh, uh, no, no. there no is diets. No diets.
0: No. I'll have to make you one. I have my great-grandmother's cheesecake recipe <gasps> for old New York-style Italian cheesecake. Oh, my with uh With ricotta. And it, it's so dense, it doesn't have a crust. Mm. And it, it's like five inches thick with no crust, and it holds up. Beca- yeah. Yeah. You eat a slice and you're done. What, what were we? Who are
1: we? Where are I, I we? I don't know. We were talking about <laughs> cheesecake. I think. <laughs> oh my goodness! What it's is Like bog. squirrel?
0: Yes. Well, I think everyone will forgive us for the cheesecake. It's 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 that good. But but anyway, no. A, a t- away from my sin to Christ, and then I'm in the presence of God again, and I'm reminded. And why am I there? I'm humbled before him. Isaiah, humbled before God. Woe is me. Woe is all you people too. And mm-hmm. what does God do with that? He lifts him up, anoints him to ministry, and makes him a prophet. He
1: forgives him of his sins. He, he cleanses him.
0: Isaiah but, is now exalted amongst the people, right. the messenger of God. I yeah. mean, this is like Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Right. No, Isaiah actually was yes, yes. Um, Christian. You have a great commission. You actually are on a mission from God. You have been sent out. You have been exalted as one of the messengers of the king because of your humbleness of heart. See, this is not self-esteem. This is the exact opposite of self-esteem. You can continue. What did Jesus teach? The last shall be first, the first last. Why? How do you gain your life? You lose it. See, Jesus called them to himself and said to him, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over him. I mean, isn't that humanity? Like, I'm important. I'm special. So what do I do? I make everybody else do stuff.
1: That's right.
0: And their great men exercise authority. It is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See. Our goal in this life is not to self-actualize, not to self-exalt, not to promote or engage in idolatry. It's to be brought low by the message of the gospel and to actually trust and turn to Christ and let his work be the determining factor and the guide. Not mine, his.
1: Well, I, I think that we need to remember that our mission is to serve God and to exalt him. We don't, we shouldn't be concerned about our status in society. What is the chief end of man? (laughs) To serve God.
0: To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Forever, yes, I get it, yes. Yes, how do I glorify God? See, ask yourself this, if you're a parent, how can your children glorify you? How can they honor you? What would be the first thing every parent would say?
1: Do what, what I I yeah. <laughs> do what I told them. Just
0: do like, just, just like every once in a while, just do what I tell you. Right. What do you think our number one way of glorifying and honoring God is? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Oh, wow. Yes. See, by following what God has given us to do, by following what he has commanded, we are honoring him because what are we demonstrating about ourselves? our humble hearts, our woe begonnness before him and his exaltation of our souls. Not ours, his exaltation of us. So by recognizing that, we then live unto that. See, now we're in a vicious circle yeah. because I got there by following this track. How do I come back? By following the same track of repentance and trust and living for. And how do I grow in that? By following that same track. And that all starts with saying, I'm not good.
1: There's nothing good that dwells inside of me, yeah. except for Christ.
0: <clears throat> the work of my hands is not good. The thoughts of my heart, my, the intentions and thoughts of my heart are only evil continually. Genesis 6 and, and 9, or is it 8? Read Genesis, it'll do you good.
1: This is, not,
0: this is not a benefit. And by the way, if you don't know what happens at the end of chapter 6, definitely read Genesis, it'll do you good.
1: Oh my goodness, yes.
0: I mean, this is what's got to happen. Now, all of this to say, you're going to enter into a world that's going to look at you like a german shepherd chasing a tennis ball. They're going to turn their head to the side and kind of look at you like, "What is he talking about?" Hmm. Like, "What do you mean not good?" I mean I mean evil. I mean wicked, sinful, idolatrous, selfish practices. That's what I mean by not good. Selfish? How can I be selfish when my whole world exists to make me better? See how this that's, is why That's the definition of
1: selfishness.
0: Yes, but but See, I'm the self-esteem generation. See, see, Lou's a little older than I am, so he didn't grow up with this. I mean, this is... You're talking about Willis. <laughs> this is, I mean, I can still to this day remember my kindergarten graduation. Because mm-hmm. it was so bizarre. You know, we had the little cap and gown thing, and we sang Whitney Houston. Oh, wow. I believe the children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the oh goodness boy. they possess inside. You guys
1: are not going to be able to get that song out of your head. Give
0: them a sense <laughs> of pride to make it easier. What is that a ballad about? See, I know that song still 30, hang on, I got a math. 33 years later, it's just ingrained in my brain. Right. But what is that a ballad of? Self-exaltation, actualization and abasement, basically, because the more I br- try to bring myself up, the more I'm going to be brought low, because I'm going to wallow in my desires. See, here's the dirty little secret about your sinful desires. The more you chase them, the less they satisfy. This is, um, this is one of the things we, uh, we deal with when counseling pornography addictions. Mm. is it's pornography. You know what pornography addiction starts out as? It starts out with like calendars. And magazines, yeah. it starts out with pictures,
1: yeah.
0: scantily clad, naked, and then it moves up to what? Videos.
1: Yeah, uh, well, videos. But I mean, all you have to do is turn a television on today, and you'll you'll see soft pornography on yes. uh, almost every channel but you I, turn I'm to. I'm
0: talking about the person who goes down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and then it moves into hardcore videos, and then it moves into more and more. Um, what's the word? I don't even know what the word would be. I can't even come up with one. Extreme. Mm-hmm. versions of that quote unquote hardcore action yeah. it becomes more violent more angry more I mean it, it, it's Blondie theology or is it, isn't that Blondie more 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 how do you like me how do you like me more 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 for all of you who yeah, didn't so like Whitney Houston yeah, yeah for all of you didn't like Whitney Houston there you go you can yeah, have some so Debbie Harry <laughs> sprinkled on top there <laughs> so this is the breakdown though and what ends up happening is, why does that happen because what, what ends up happening is the regular video that I start out with it doesn't do it for me anymore I need something else. I mean, I, uh, man, today is bad music day. It, it's Huey Lewis in the news. Want a new drug? When yes. they won't quit. See, there you go. We are just. This is a bad day. I'm telling you. Yeah. So you're just. I'm, I'm a walking jukebox, and that's never a good thing. But this is what happens with that, and that doesn't just do it with pornography. Alcoholism does it the same way. I just want to drink gambling. here. Yeah, gambling. I, I look. I just want a scratch-off ticket. I just want two hands, a couple of spins on the wheel. One drink. Hey, I'm just having a drink on Fridays even or food. just after work. Yeah, you know, go back to our cheesecake conversation. You know, I just want a slice. We yeah, have that slice is really good. I'm gonna have, and the Next thing you know, it's like I can't see my feet anymore. What happened? Yeah. This is what goes on with all of our sin, not some of it, all of it. And this even goes on when you're pursuing your self-actualization. And yes, I pointed to the computer again. The more you seek after serving you, the more that you demand that things serve you
1: right
0: you're, you're like a dog chasing its tail it's never enough and even if you catch it what are you gonna do with it
1: yeah there's I, no. I have i've seen dogs catch their tail and they don't know what to do they look they at, at you like now what yeah
0: mine does it and walks around the house with it does he and, maybe, and they're like where are you going like, he just looks at me like i don't know <laughs> i didn't think that far ahead but this is us with our sin so i got the thing that i was striving for now what you wretched pitiful monstrosity I don't know. I hadn't thought that far ahead. I want something else now. So then you go after that. Welcome to the greed is good culture. Welcome to the, the everything we have going on in culture. It's all about me. Yeah. This is my truth. This is what makes me happy. This is what serves and exalts me. In order to get there, you had to start with something other than God. The cure is, as with everything else, run back to the Savior cling to the truth that he proclaims, not just about himself, but about you as well. To basically stand there with Isaiah and go, yeah, that woe is a people of unclean lips. He's talking about me. Yeah. He, he's, he's talking about, he's not talking about you. He's talking about
1: me. It's interesting when you look at the scripture and you realize, well, okay, it was written to a people that I am not, but it was for me. And, and, and then when you can put yourself in the place of Isaiah and say, you know what, I can identify with that. Yes. I'm such a sinful person, and unless God reaches down from his throne and saves me, I'm hopeless.
0: I have nothing. I am undone. All right. And the, the entirety of the Old and New Testament are a testimony to an undone people. What you have is God working in and amongst Israel, in and amongst the prophets, in and amongst the kings, amongst all of those people doing what? accomplishing his purposes most of the time in spite of an undone people. Redeeming, rescuing, and saving a nation unto himself. You see Paul proclaiming this truth amongst people trying to kill him. You see a ministry of the apostles amongst an undone people. You can see it in church history. You can see it in every avenue of the world. It's just broken and busted in so many ways that we can't comprehend. And we only solve it. We only have cure and hope as we identify ourselves and the problem rightly in God. Because if we start with anything other than God, we're going to fall into their methods. And we've done this. We've seen churches do this. This is part of the big hubbub we had in the last episode about the SBC and all of their problems. Half of those problems are because what are we doing? We're inviting the world in and we're trying to do holy things with a secular model. We're trying to do the things of God by the methods of man. There's one I should write down. Now, that sounded really good and intelligent, didn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah, that's, called, that's what happens when the, the syncretism begins yes. in the church and we become to assimilate into the cultures that we live in and we allow the culture to influence us rather than the scripture and rather than, than God himself. Um, he says, come out of them. He says, be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind.
0: And do you know who we're really good seeing the failure in? What's that? Everybody else.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. We
0: see it at church. We, we see it in the Unitarians. We see it amongst everybody else. You know where we don't see it? In us. Right. And that's why the charge is you take up your cross daily. Yeah. You renew your mind daily. You continually bring yourself back with Isaiah to the foot of that throne and are reminded that apart from you, God, I am undone. I have nothing. And then you look at this world and go, why is that broken like that? Why is it undone? See, use biblical words. They, they remind you of these things. Don't just say, why is that so stupid? Why is that so messed up? No, why is that undone? Because now I'm thinking, why doesn't it start with God? Right. Now, what am I thinking? How would it look if it did start with God. Now I'm problem solving in a biblical manner. Now I'm confronting the lies of the world with the truth of the scripture rather than my own undone ideas and thought processes. I am preparing and girding myself for a biblical battle because where is that battle? It's not in me, not in my physical body. It's in my soul. Where is my battle in the world? Ephesians 6. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, yeah. but against what?
1: Powers and principalities and high places. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. The prize that I win is that undone person, that undone system. As we fix it and bring it under the foot of Christ in obedience to his methods and purposes, we are redeeming people and a world unto God. Right. And that's a different thought process than, how do I just not get yelled at today? That's the way we're supposed to be thinking about this. And that's what we don't do. Christian, we have to do it like this. We have to. All right, so let's cover this real quick. What have we learned here today? God is holy.
1: He's just, good. Big holy, right? Not not a little holy. Holy, holy. holy.
0: Our identification in this world and in ourselves is defined by God and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And we must encounter the world that we live in according to God and his standard and principles and not our own. So, have we missed anything? Any final thoughts?
1: Well, when I look at the scripture and I look at my life, I recognize that everything I do is broken and he is the only objective truth in a subjective world. That's, that's what I would say.
0: I like that. There, we should coffee cup that. <laughs> he is the only objective truth in a subjective world. That, that's, that's, that is, that's a good coffee cup right there. That, 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 that's a fun one. All right. Um, you'll all see this. You can check it out. I urge you, uh, practicaltheologyministries.com. You can find past episodes of the podcast. You can find links to our Twitter and Facebook. You can find a Through the Bible reading plan that will carry you through the entire scripture in one calendar year, including notes if you miss stuff or just don't understand some things, give you some point of discussion. You can send us comments and critiques. You can find our theological journal with stuff on church history recovery ministry uh covenant theology um we even expanded and added a new kids section with fun games for the kiddos and the good stuff a beginning catechism for young children that would actually be beneficial in training up children and explaining some of these concepts from an early age all of that is available on our website practicaltheologyministries.com you can contact us um some interesting updates on the email. I am adjusting one, so if you have questions or comments, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. If there is nothing else, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Follow the precepts. Trust in Christ. God God bless.